Hi listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. On October 8th, 2009, a family was caught on camera acting like zombies, who believed they were being haunted by a ghost or tormented by a demonic spirit, when suddenly the family vanished. This is the story of the disappearance of the Jameson family. Okay, so the Jameson family consisted of Bobby Jameson, who was 44 years old, Sherilyn Jameson, who was 40, and Madison Jameson, who was 6 years old. The family was living in the town of Eufaula, Oklahoma at the time of their disappearance. Bobby and Sherilyn Jameson met in 2002 and immediately headed off. Shortly after meeting each other, Sherilyn gave birth to a beautiful little girl in which they named Madison in August of 2003. I was just graduating high school. Fun fact. Long time ago. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) You called me old last week. What should have been a happy time for the new parents ended up turning not so happy when in November of 2003, Bobby was involved in a traffic accident that saw two other vehicles slamming into his own. Oh, man. Yeah. That's bad. So Bobby survives the, the accident, but he suffered injuries that would leave him with severe back pain. I mean, it was so bad that there were days where he would even find it difficult to get out of bed. And the pain meds were just not helping the pain at all. Sounds awful. Right. So eventually, this chronic pain affected his mood for obvious reasons. Right. And eventually, Bobby was forced to go into disability. But after this tragic accident and, you know, him having all this pain and having to live with this chronic pain, Mm -hmm. the following year in July of 2004, Bobby and Sherilyn got married in Hot Springs, Arizona. So the Jameson family purchased a large lakefront home in Eufaula, Oklahoma, which was surrounded by a large garden. It sounds nice. Yeah, it does. So it seemed like life was starting to get back on track for the Jamesons, but then tragedy striked again for the Jamesons. In 2007, Sherilyn's sister passed away due to an unfortunate reaction to a bee sting. Then, the following year, Bobby's parents divorced. Now, the divorce was caused... Now, the divorce caused a huge fight between Bobby and his father. And I just want to tell you, so... His father's name is Bobby Sr., which is going to get really complicated, so I'm just going to say Bobby's father, okay? Okay, sounds good. (laughs) So, the fallout between them was so big that on November 1st, 2008, Bobby said that his father hit him with his car. What? Yeah. So, you know, obviously, eventually, what do you do? Bobby ended up filing a protective order against his father. Oh, it doesn't mean like hit him back with his his car. What? No! (laughs) In which Bobby alleged that his father was a very dangerous man who thinks he is above the law and that he was involved in prostitution, gangs, and meth. Okay. So that was all alleged in the the protective order, okay? Okay. Then in 2009, six-year-old Madison was hit in the face by a swing at school, which let me just say, 
when I had my first child, that was my biggest worries that they would get hit in the face by the swing. And probably because that used to happen to me all the time. <laughs> I don't know if times have changed. It has luckily, like, knock on wood, it has not happened to any of my children. But sending them to school, that was my biggest fear. One, that they would burn their, like, butt and their legs on that metal um, slide. Oh, they don't... But they don't make those anymore. I mean, it's rare. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And the about. other one was the swing. And I particularly remember this one girl used to love jumping off the swing. And I'd be, like, waiting for my turn. And, like, bam, it'd come and hit me. Mm. Bitch. Why weren't you looking at the swing? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Madison got hit in the face by a swing at school. But guess what? It knocked out her two front teeth. I would have been pissed as a parent. Like, what the oh. heck? Yeah, I mean, I, it's an accident. It's nobody's fault. But as a parent, I don't know if I can speak for all parents. But for me, my initial reaction would have been like, I'm pissed. Yeah, Where was the I yard agree. duty? But, pissed off you know, too. it's an accident. It happens. Hopefully there were the like the baby teeth. But at six, I don't know. At six? Yeah, that's kindergarten, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's still baby teeth. Mm. But still, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. So Bobby and Sherilyn ended up removing Madison from school entirely. And instead, they prepared to homeschool her. Because of that? Yes. Well, you're telling me you would have done the same thing? <sighs> Probably. But now with the pandemic going on and now that like Zoom meetings and everything, it's like, oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You can go back Just to avoid the swings, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so Bobby's back pain was so bad that it made it hard for Bobby to move around or be able to do much. So because of this, Bobby and Sherilyn ended up having a handyman move in with them to help with the home as Bobby wasn't able to do much. Mm -hmm. So... Just months after this handyman had moved in, Sherilyn started feeling uncomfortable being alone with him. It was said that the man ended up finding out that Sherilyn had Native American heritage. And one day, when he was alone with Sherilyn and Madison, he ended up sitting extremely close to Sherilyn and telling her that he was a white supremacist and that anybody that was not pure white was dirty okay. so obviously feeling threatened by the man Sherilyn pulled out her 22 caliber pistol she pointed it to his head and told him to get out wow okay <laughs> not done get out not done Sherilyn followed him all the way out the door and once outside she shot the gun to the ground to show him I mean business leave That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. 
You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click on the Wine of the Club Month link and sign up, we will earn a commission. You can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code HOLIDAY15 to get $15 off any four-month club, or you can use promo code HOLIDAY20 for $20 off any six-month club, which sounds like a win-win to me. You get to stay home during this COVID-19 pandemic, quarantine by yourself, and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. So Sherilyn suffered from bipolar disorder and she had been prescribed medication, but she sometimes chose not to take it because Sherilyn's disorder was poorly controlled. She often experienced severe depression and would often angrily lash out at the people in her life, including her husband. Hmm. So it's no surprise that the Jamiesons' marriage was under a great deal of stress. I mean, you know, there was the accident, the passing of Sherilyn's sister, and then, you know, the divorce of Bobby's parents that obviously caused big friction. You know, it, it was just so much stress for the couple's marriage that, you know, somebody that was just starting off, it was just a lot for them to take. Yeah, and then add the bipolar disorder, all right. that was the ups and downs of those different events. That's got to be really tough. Mm -hmm. So for the most part, the couple kept to themselves and within the confines of their own home, they were deeply spiritual individuals, but this wasn't always a good thing in their life. So Bobby and Sherilyn believed their home was being invaded by dark spirits. So they confided in a local pastor about their concerns. Bobby had become paranoid about the family being haunted by evil. At one point, he asked the pastor if he knew of anywhere he could purchase, and I quote, special bullets to shoot a handful of spirits whom he said were living on the roof of the family's home. Oh, that's creepy. Isn't it? I never heard of special bullets to... That's the thing. For I... a spirit? I'm... Right, I was like, never. <laughs> I know. I've, I found vampires? that little, um, like I just found it odd. Like special bullets. I mean, yeah, are we dealing about inside? vampires or you know what I mean? I don't know. I just I thought that was odd. I had never heard of that. So Bobby was also planning on trying to exercise the spirits in the home with the help of a copy of the Satanic Bible. You know, as Wait, we all what? do. To exercise them with a satanic Bible. Which, again, <laughs> I thought it was the opposite. I thought it was just a regular Bible. I mean, you're not trying to conjure up anything. 
Yeah, it sounds like he's doing the opposite. Right. Okay. Then, little Madison had started talking to an imaginary friend named Emily. And although it is considered, obviously, completely normal for children to have imaginary friends, Sherilyn believed that Emily was actually a malevolent entity. So, Sherilyn started telling people that she was practicing witchcraft. That who was practicing that witchcraft? Sherilyn was, that she was a practicing witchcraft. Okay. And I saw in an episode in the ID channel named Disappeared. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Sherilyn's friend said that she sometimes said crazy things because Sherilyn used to tell her that if she ever had a problem with someone to just say crazy things so that people would believe that she was crazy and leave her alone. That's a good idea. I think so, too. Right. <laughs> but it seemed like Sherilyn... somebody Lynn... comes knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, okay. Try it out. <laughs> yeah. See what happens. But it seemed like Sherilyn took it a little bit to the extreme. Because when her cat died, she had believed that someone had poisoned the cat. So she spray painted a large storage container that they had in the yard with, and I quote, witches don't like their cats killed. So she is starting to think that the neighbors, because everybody kind of turned like a side eye to them because they're like, oh, my God, what's going on with this couple? Like, they're crazy. Yeah, they're those neighbors. (laughs) Yeah. And then now she goes and she spray paints this. They're like, what the heck? Bobby and Sherilyn had apparently slipped into a state of some paranoia. And no, that doesn't sound like that at all. Yeah. And through all of this and their marriage, again, you know, it was suffering. So it was during this difficult time that the family packed their truck to leave Eufaula and visited a 40-acre plot of land that they planned to buy in Red Oak. So this area is mountains and wooded area set in like wilderness okay so it's 30 miles south of where the family's home currently is okay the jamesons were seeking a quieter life and wanted to live off the grid so they just wanted to be remote away from the city away from everything they plan to purchase the land and move into the storage container that Sherilyn had previously graffitied they wanted to convert it into a new home maintaining the eufaula home as a rental oh okay I see. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I actually seen people do that to shipping containers. Kind of. Have cool. you really? Yeah, I saw I it in some real estate show or something. So in that in that show in the ID channel disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I saw it and I was like a shipping container. Like I just didn't see it. So what do you like? They just like, but there's no windows. Well, they cut them. They cut them and they like install everything, plumbing really? for a bathroom. Yeah, I mean it's small. It's, right, it's right, like right. A, kind like of like a tiny home. home. Yeah, but um, looks kind of cool. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know you can do that. I was like, oh, okay. I I just couldn't picture it. So on October 7th of 2009, they visited the area for the first time. So witnesses said how the family seemed to be in good spirits. And the following day, they once again set out to the remote area. This time, however, they would not return. On October 8th, 2009... The Jamesons packed their large pickup truck along with their daughter and dog, Macy. And they headed towards Red Oak to visit and inquire about the land they were looking to purchase. Now, in CCTV footage 
filmed from a security camera that was purchased by Bobby's mother during the dispute with Bobby's father. The Jamesons are shown walking to the truck and back to the house, loading their possessions into the truck. Mm-hmm. But in that episode I told you I saw from Disappeared, yeah. um, the, the officer that saw the footage he thought it was odd because he said they were walking kind of like zombie like not really acknowledging each other not talking to each other just going back and forth and he said that a lot of the times they weren't even carrying anything what (laughs) so they're just going back and forth to the car right and he said that they looked like in this kind of like just state of uh, like just zombie-ish just kind of yeah that's weird Mm -hmm. you know what what i make of that i guess yeah after the 30-mile drive to the base of the Santa Boyce Mountains, where the land was located, Bobby and Sherilyn visited an associate of the landowner, and when the meeting was done, they made sure to take their GPS unit and found a quiet spot on a hillside. After they returned to their vehicle, they drove a little further, and then, with the truck left locked in the middle of a dirt track, they simply were gone. What you got there, Jose? I just opened an ice-cold beer from Beer of the Month Club. Treat yourself or someone special to great beers month after month by joining the Craft Beer of the Month Club. Each monthly shipment contains a 12-pack with four different types of rare craft beer, hand-selected from small American craft breweries. We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show, click on the Craft Beer of the Month Club link, and sign up, we will earn commission. Stay home and keep cool with an ice cold beer. Cheers, Jose. Okay, so at first, none of the Jameson's friends and family felt any cause of concern. Bobby and Sherilyn were known to fall off the radar from time to time. And Madison had been pulled out of school so it's not like school would have raised the flag either. Yeah, that's true. Because remember, they were getting ready to homeschool her. Mm-hmm. So on October 17th, 2009, hunters on dirt bikes ran across the Jameson's abandoned truck. And they called police to report the vehicle. So initially, the police assumed that the vehicle had been stolen because the report had suggested that the truck may have only been on the roadside for a few hours. But later that day, the same hunter called back to confirm to police that he had seen it there abandoned for a number of days. So the Latimer County Sheriff's Israel Beauchamp, Under Sheriff Matt Bone, and several other officers headed out to the truck, which they found locked and parked across the dirt track. When they discovered that Jameson's dog, Macy, was still alive inside the vehicle, they smashed the windows, releasing her, and found that by now she had almost starved to death. The poor, yeah, the poor dog. So as they began searching the truck, they found that the Jamesons had left behind all their coats and warm clothing behind. Bobby had left his wallet and Sherilyn her purse. Mm, they that's had, really odd. Yeah. Well, that and with the dog in the car. So they had also left behind their phones and the GPS. So they also found 
an 11-page letter written by Sherilyn to Bobby. And in the letter, she wrote a bunch of like, it was pretty much a hate letter, calling him a loner <laughs> and saying that he didn't care about anyone, not even his own daughter, and eventually asking him for a divorce. So they find this letter in the car along with the rest of their belongings and the dog in the vehicle. So they also found a brown bank bag stuffed below the passenger seat with $32,000 in cash. Oh, damn. So during the initial investigations, there was no signs of a struggle that they can tell of. Okay. There was no blood, no broken glass, and no signs of a scuffle on the soft ground around the truck. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, a search was organized, and over the coming days and weeks, it would eventually consist of over 400 volunteers, horses, mules, ATVs, 16 teams of cadaver dogs, and a unmanned drone. Wow. And really during, covering a lot with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember, this is a, a, a remote area. Right. So, you know, they want to make sure that they can see everything. Yeah. So during the searches, the cadaver dog team repeatedly found a suspicion with a nearby water tower, which obviously meant to them that there might be bodies in it. But when they ended up draining it, they didn't find any bodies. Mm, okay. When deputies researched the Jameson's family home in Eufaula, where they discovered several key facts. The first important discovery was that of the security footage of the Jamesons packing the vehicle, which allowed them to cross-check the inventory of the truck. So upon doing so, they found that a large brown briefcase or satchel had been loaded into the truck, but now couldn't be found anywhere. Hmm, that's weird. Yeah. So they also took note of a missing 22 caliber pistol belonging to Sherilyn that could also not be found in their home or in the truck, and it was confirmed by their friends and family to be carried with her everywhere. So when police checked the phone, that they had found in the truck, Mm -hmm. they found a photo of Madison taken upon the hill and through a combination of following the GPS unit and using the photo as reference, they found that that photo was taken 200 yards away from the abandoned truck. Mm, That's pretty close. Yeah. So it seemed like police officers had a lot of leads to go by. And even in an interview given by County Sheriff Israel Beauchamp, he said, and I quote, A lot of investigators would love to have as many leads as we do. The problem is they point in so many different directions. So eventually with hunting season starting and searches becoming less and less effective and even more dangerous by the day, the search for the Jameson family was abandoned and information on the case fell silent. Really? Just like that, huh? Yes. That is, until November 16th, 2013, over four years later. Wow, what happened? Just three miles from where the truck had been located, hunters found skeletal remains of two adults and one child. And you're going to say child. (laughs) Mm. We can't. 
Yes, the Jameson was a family. Well, I don't know. You never know me. It was another family. (laughs) And to find out, it wasn't them. (laughs) (laughs) You still have not learned anything about this podcast, huh? You're still sitting here in hopes. Okay. So, they had been found laying face down in a line. The three bodies were severely decomposed, but forensic testing confirmed that the remains did in fact belong to Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison Jameson. Mm -hmm. The bodies were so badly decomposed, like I said, that they were not able to determine a cause of death. But they did find that Bobby had a small hole in his skull, which was initially suspected as being a bullet wound, but they couldn't confirm that it was in fact a bullet wound. So that kind of... Like, they thought about it at first, and then they're like, no, there's no way that this could be. Well, what else could it be? We're getting... We're getting there? Well, not really, but yes, because there's a lot of theories around this case. Hmm, okay. So, here are some of the theories that are out there, because till this day, no one really knows what happened. So, nobody really knows, well, what caused that whole, what... Like, what is that? Yeah. Nobody knows. They're lined up. It seems weird. Right, right. And wait until I get into the picture. picture. (sighs) Yes, I told you about the picture, the last picture that they found on Bobby's phone of little Madison. This is one of the theories. Okay, Okay. let me start. Theory number one. That they were murdered over drugs. Prior to their deaths, Bobby and Sherilyn had lost a lot of weight. And along with their strange behavior that was caught on tape prior to them disappearing... And the amount of cash that was found in the truck. The zombie footage. Lost satchel. Mm -hmm. So this all suggested that they were involved with drugs. And it was a drug deal gone bad. Hmm. So I guess this area is known for a lot of meth. And a lot of meth labs up there in in that rural area where they had been. Hmm, So that's why that was theory number one. Theory number two is that Bobby's father murdered his own family because of the long dispute seeming from the profit of a gas station. But police did look into Bobby's dad and they actually found that Bobby's father had been very sick during that time when they disappeared. And eventually Bobby's father died a year after the family disappears. So if he did have anything to do with it. So much they can really. Yeah. I mean, get. he died. He yeah. passed away already. So theory number three is murder suicide. So both Bobby and Sherilyn suffered from depression. So the theory is that Bobby and Sherilyn killed the one another and Madison and then killed themselves. So they're not sure of who, if, you know, Bobby was the one that killed Sherilyn, then Madison, and then himself. Mm-hmm. Or if it was Sherilyn that killed Bobby, Madison. You know, they right. don't know. But they're saying that was one theory. Which I don't necessarily agree with. Because when I was doing the research, I mean, I feel like they would have found something, right? Like how they found a, a, a small hole in Bobby's skull. I mean, I don't know. Wouldn't there have been like... I mean, I guess it's so badly decomposed, it could have gone through, let's say, the chest or something. That's true. And then I didn't maybe not touch the bone. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of hard that. to get shot in the head and not touch a bone, right? I would think. Yeah. But they never found the gun. Maybe it was a knife. 
So, theory number, where are we at? Number four. <laughs> theory number four is that the family got lost in a remote area and died of hyperthermia. The problem with this theory is why was the dog left in the car? Now, the dog being left in the car is a big thing because the Jameson's parents, the family, said that the dog was Madison's best friend. And according to them, Madison wouldn't go anywhere without the dog. So everybody in in the family found that odd. Why was the dog left? The windows weren't left down. The car was locked. It didn't make sense. And until now, it doesn't make sense to the family as to why the dog was left behind. Because Madison loved that little dog. And the last theory is witchcraft. Witchcraft? Witchcraft. Okay. Because remember how I told you how Bobby had bought the Satanic Bible and she was telling people that she was starting to practice witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So they think that once again, maybe they pissed off somebody in a cult and this is a cult witchcraft type of killing. But these are all theories. And again, up until today, nobody knows what happened to the Jameson family. And what's weird also, remember I told you there was the picture of Madison? Yeah. So let me show you the picture that they found on his phone. Now, some people say that on this picture, she looks very uncomfortable. This is the last picture. Let me show it to you. Well, that's that's kind of weird. Yeah, they say that she's kind of uncomfortable the way that her arms are kind of crossed, and they like the family was saying that kind of looks like a like a fake smile, like she's not really smiling. To me, it looks like she's like crying. I don't know what you think. Like kind of like like, like the face that children make right before they start crying. Yeah, I can see that. So I know that there was also theories of you know maybe somebody tried to kidnap. Madison, I mean this it's so story. Hard. It's, yeah, this story is just so just that crazy. There's, you know, there's not much to it. She's yeah. sitting down, posing with her arms crossed. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't even know which one to go with. Yeah, and like I said, this the case is still unsolved because they don't really know what happened. Yeah, I mean the other thing could it be? Did he look into the guy that um, was selling the property? I mean, they obviously knew they had thirty-two grand. Possibly. I don't know if they did. I didn't I, I didn't look into that. That's a good question. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean who also know that they're out there, you know? Mm-hmm. It just seems really odd and I don't know, the meth thing, I mean who knows? Yeah. I mean sure the area could be like known for that type of stuff, but how do you really know but that they're the, into that? The stuff? sheriff said that that was their first instinct because they're they just they're like, Oh, bag full of money, missing. It's drugs. It's math. Apparently, that's what they're used to. Whenever what does the uh, what does the the family say about that? Do they? No, they don't think that. They, they say that, that there's no way that they they were on drugs. Yeah. See, I mean, that's the thing. Like, the family's the, usually who really knows what's going on. Just like you're saying about the you know your kids knowing your kids mm-hmm. and whether that's likely or not, or knowing if they would have left the dog. So right. Yeah, it's hard. Who knows? Yeah. Witchcraft. That's your theory. 
No, but that's really creepy. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if it's just somebody that knew that they had that money and they did it for $32,000. But the money was left in the car. So you're saying... Oh, they left it... Okay, never mind. Yeah, you're right. They left it in the car. It was under the seat. So it wasn't there, like... That blows that out of the question, too. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's a lot of just weird theories and with each theory i feel like you can definitely discount it and then it's like okay let's go on to the next one but then you can discount that one too and like nothing really adds up that is so weird about this case Mm -hmm. another thing is like the letter that that sherilyn wrote right about the hate letter letter. so in that episode of disappeared they interviewed one of um her friends and she actually said that sherilyn was the type of person that would always write her feelings and her thoughts into paper but then once she did she was over it like she was okay with it so the friend didn't seem like that was an indicator of anything because she's like she was known to do that if she was mad if she was angry if she was feeling a certain way she would write it out and then kind of just use it as her own therapy and then you know it's done it's done with i guess let that be maybe that is the case but by the sounds of it she wasn't happy about moving to this remote area which maybe no they both were actually very excited about moving into this remote area they were looking to live off the grid where people would leave them alone and just kind of start all over again i don't know it's a mystery that's a that's a hard one yeah hi listeners and welcome to true crime weekly podcast the dark side so this week I'm going to tell you about this urban legend, Jose, and it takes place in Angolia, New York. Angolia has been terrifying visitors and locals for over 50 years. Really? So, in Angolia, there's the bridge, and I believe the bridge name is Bonnie Bear Bridge, and... The bridge was the scene of one of the worst railway disasters in history. Over 50 people died here in 1867. That's a long time ago. Yeah. When a rail car came unhooked, fell down the embankment, and burst into flames. And maybe it is this tragic history that inspired the legend of the pig man. The pig man? The pig man. So the pig man, wait, have you heard this? No, it's just, you know what I think about? For some reason, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So the pig man was a hog farmer and a butcher. According to the story, he would place the heads of hogs he had butchered on spikes and he would line the road with them to let people know to stay off his property. Apparently, he hadn't heard of, you know, signs. Is it no trespassing? Yeah, simple no trespassing sign. But you know what? Sometimes that's not as effective as, you know, pig heads on spikes. Yeah, dead pigs on a spike. Yeah, it's. Then you would really know. Don't cross that line. Yeah, don't mess with this guy. Yeah. So one day, a group of teenage boys decided they would sneak onto the butcher's land and have a look around. The pig man is said to have killed all of them and place their heads on spikes along the road and if you ask a local today 
they will tell you that the pig man still lives in the woods around the road, waiting for unwary travelers. So I had seen this episode on, I believe it was the Travel Channel, and the name of the show is, um, I think it's called Haunted Town Stories, and this is Haunted Towns, that one. And this is their first episode. It's the story of the pig man. And you see there's like this creepy little bridge. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Not to going me, in there. Well, supposedly in this town, up until today, if you drive through this bridge, turn off your car and turn off the lights, you'll start hearing like weird like pig noises. Oh, there's like, nothing creepier than like a pig squealing, right? Yeah, nothing. Mm-mm. And... Also, I don't know if you know this, but have you heard of a little show called American Horror Story? Yeah, of course. Well, the pig man, Uh Roanoke. That's right. Yes. Mm -hmm. So if we have any fans that like American Horror Story, you will know that the pig man, I guess, is kind of loosely based on this urban legend. Shoot, now I want to watch that, that, that season again. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm good. You're good? <laughs> no, no, that was a creepy one. That was a creepy one. Yeah, it's based off of this legend. Yeah, and the other legend, too, of the actual like missing town or whatever, the whole like pilgrimage yeah. that disappeared out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And Angolia, New York, it's apparently this very small town, too. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Creepy. So, yeah, that's the legend of the pig man. If you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast True Crime Weekly. And please don't forget to support the show by going to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcast. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.